Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Fellas, welcome to Man Challenge, the fall semester. Uh, sitting here with Sam Reeder and Chris Burke. Excited up, to dive back in. If you joined us in previous semesters, you kind of know the setup. Uh, we're going to spend, as Ronnie may have mentioned in the, in the MC time, we're going to spend some time looking at God through His Word this morning, and then we're going to send you uh, to discuss God's Word in groups alongside a community of men who are, who are walking towards the Lord with you. A couple things before we jump in to this uh, morning's text, this evening's text, wherever, whenever you're listening to this, um, is we, we believe God reveals himself to, himself to us in his word. Uh, and so I, you might be listening to this podcast, you might be watching on your video, but I would implore you, look at God's word. Uh, we're going to spend time together meditating on God's word, but you um, need to sit before God, before the feet of the Lord as he's revealed himself in God's word. And so I encourage you to do that intentionally before you meet with your men. We are starting today in um, a, a series in the, the Gospel of John chapter 15. And Sam's going to contextualize that a little bit for us. But I, what I want you to know is uh, that we as a church are actually are walking through three chapters in the Gospel of John together. We're looking at Jesus' longest discourse because um, we want to be unified. Uh, so women's ministry, children's ministry, student ministry, preaching, we're all looking at the same aspect of God's Word in hopes of being unified. So if you're new to Man Challenge or to this church, uh, we welcome you. We're excited to dive into God's Word with you. Samwise, hmm. John 15 is where we're starting a series called Be the Branch. But John 15 is two-thirds of the way through the Gospel of John. Sure is. Can you contextualize a little bit for us? What are we diving into today? Sure. So there's a couple things. I would start off uh, just saying if we want to pause and look at the author. Uh, what we know about John is that he and his brother uh, James were two of the famous 12 disciples of Jesus, a couple fishermen, sons of Zebedee, uh, that Jesus called out of their old life to a new life of, of living and walking with him for a couple years. Uh, and even within his, his group of 12, like within his man challenge table, really he had an inner core of about three or four, and our man John's in that. Uh, so this is a guy who, who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, who has firsthand experience uh, of what Jesus taught, of the life that he lived, the miracles that he did. Uh, and so he records that in what would be referred to as a gospel so uh, this is one of uh, a handful of books that he wrote uh, for the New Testament. Another famous one would be uh, the book of, with an S on the end, Revelations. Not an S in that. Uh, that a lot of people love. He also wrote that. Uh, but throughout uh, his gospel. Is that like gospel, a Bible nerd joke? I, I think it might be. Okay. It is. Uh, throughout his gospel narrative, uh, we get an a image of uh, the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and fortunately, we don't have to really speculate in what his, his purpose in writing this down for us was. Uh, he's explicit about it. Uh, so at the very end of chapter 20, he tells us very plainly, Jesus did a whole bunch of things that I could have wrote about, but I picked what I picked in this gospel narrative uh, so that you, the reader, the listener, may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and 
you would believe in him and have life in his name. Mm-hmm. So, brothers, if there's anything we get out of this, we should, we should value that we get a chance to see who Jesus is, the true Jesus of the gospel, and that in knowing who he is, we might have hope and life in his name. So that's the goal overall in this book, and that's who our author is. A little more just specifically the context we're in. Uh, Jesus, a number of times throughout this narrative, uh, has, has a long discourse or teaching that he gives to uh, either masses of people or his, his uh, disciples. And this specifically, uh, in this one, what's going on is they're in the upper room, and this is the last time he teaches his men before he goes to the cross. So you might even think that in the days to come, when Jesus is dead in a tomb, and it seems like the whole world is crumbling around them, this is probably the teaching that's most fresh on their minds, because they just received this. So I think that's a good word that in, in this day and age where we find ourselves today, where it feels like at times the world may be crumbling around us, <laughs> uh, this was the last, longest teaching that Jesus gave his closest companions. Uh, what a time to, to study John 15. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to do. We're jumping in kind of to the middle of that discourse, that conversation Jesus had with his disciples in John chapter 15. Today we're going to be studying verses 1 through 4. So if you would turn in your Bibles there, Burke, while they do so, will you read John 15 verses 1 through 4 and then pray for us? I will. Verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Let's pray. God, these are strong, strong words that uh, give us purpose, give us uh, practical application and um, give us uh, life. And so, God, we just praise you for that. We praise you for the, the hope that we have uh, in you and in your word. Um, and so we just pray as we unpack uh, these verses today and as we go through this series moving forward, uh, give us a, a fresh lens on um, just how urgent we should be uh, to follow these words, God, to stay connected to you, to allow Jesus to be the vine, and that we would just uh, rest and be in the branch, uh, knowing that through that and only through that can we bear fruit that lasts, that's meaningful, uh, and that shows your love to others. And that's what we desire to do, God. So uh, help us grow in this, uh, help us rest in this, uh, help us be the branch. Um, in, in all things, we pray that it would be for your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, fellas, you might have caught there um, as, we, as we read the verses that Jesus is speaking to his men, but he's, he's speaking in terms of metaphor. That first verse, he starts with these five words. He says, I am the true vine. And something we can... Um, quickly catch here and, and, you know, diving into the middle of the gospel of John, you may not know this or may not have seen this, but the first two words are, um, I am. Jesus uses this 
phrase alongside a metaphor several times throughout the Gospel of John. Metaphorically, in fact, seven. He says, I am uh, the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. And in this case, he says, I am the true vine. And um, something I want you to catch is that this isn't just um, him clarifying who he is by using metaphor. He's, at, he, he's also hearkening back to um, God the Father speaking in the Old Testament. Hmm. Moses if you, if you ever have heard of the burning bush story, Moses is interacting with a burning bush who turns out to be God. And, and Moses says, well, what's your name? Who are you? And God's response is, I am who I am. He says, I am. And so Jesus here is, is kind of playing on this. He's uh, making a claim to divinity. He's starting right off the bat in our text this morning saying, I, I'm not just a, a regular human. I'm also the son of God. I'm incarnate. I am God in the, in the human flesh. But then he goes on and says, I am the true vine. And so what we're going to do this morning is really explore the metaphor. Next week, we'll kind of talk about the practicalities of that. But this week, we want to define our terms, Mm. define our characters, uh, learn who is who. And Jesus' first claim is, I am the true vine. We can glean quickly metaphors from that. Okay, vine gives life, and we'll talk about that some. But the people of God... Um, would have understood this a little bit differently because the true vine is a a phrase that they've heard before. In the Old Testament, uh, the vine is used symbolically symbolically often as a term for the people of God, who God has chosen as his covenant people, the people of God. But when it's used in the Old Testament, God's typically saying, hey, you're, you're not fruitful. A vine should be fruitful, but you're not fruitful. And Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. I'm the the source of fruit. And so right off the bat, he's claiming to us men to be our only source of life. And he he affirms this in verse 3. He says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And what he's suggesting to the men who are listening to him and what he's making clear to us who live 2,000 years later than him um, is he's, he's given us a word. And that word is, is translated in scripture oftentimes as the gospel. And he's saying, you are clean, you are purified, you are made right because of this gospel that I'm bringing to you. Burke, that's a term we throw around in church a lot, the gospel. Mm. But can you line out a little bit for us what that is? Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the big the, question. Yeah, they, the, well, the gospel is the good news that Jesus uh, was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross as a... Uh, penance for our sin, that he took on our sin on the cross and that, that through his uh, resurrection and through the, the um, sacrifice that he made for us, that those of us who believe in that, who, who believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that we can receive the same victory over death that he did when he walked out of the tomb, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit into the the lives of the believers so that they would do even greater things than he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. We now have Jesus in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that when we profess faith in that and when we accept uh, the saving grace that only Jesus offers, uh, we are born again into a new family, into Mm. a new life where we now are connected to the vine in a way where we can actually bear fruit that lasts, that's Mm. meaningful, and that ultimately will uh, be good for us and others and point people to that redemptive power that he desires uh, to have personal relationship with all of us, which is, 
in my mind, even, a, you know, I don't, I don't want to rank miracles, but that, that's the biggest miracle of them all, that the creator of the universe, uh, uh, the Alpha and Omega, the, the one that was there before it all began, uh, wants to know us, wants to know us personally, and, and prove that to us through the life of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, um, and we get to share in the power of what allowed him to walk out of that grave uh, by accepting that, by confessing that, by repenting and confessing in our belief in that, um, that we can have new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can actually do what Jesus is talking yeah. about here. Um, when you, you bring up... That cleanses us. Yeah, you bring up a good point too that he's our creator. And as created beings, we were created to know him and be in relationship mm-hmm. with him. But starting in Genesis 3 and then... Uh, in the womb and then in our daily walks, we sin, we separate ourselves from God, and that has created the need for, for Jesus' Jesus. reconciliation. Yeah. And so that's what he's claiming to be here is the true vine. He said, Yeah, you- and, 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 and Jesus, the true vine, referencing the false vine, which there's many false vines, but he's specifically to the Jewish people, like, it wasn't, it's not religion. Mm. That ain't it. You can't work your way back you to can't, me. You can't. You like, can't. Yeah. Just so you know, that, that the old is gone, the new has come. Um, and so Jesus was necessary for us to be in, in union with God in a way where we can know him personally. Yeah. Well, you create a good segue there because I don't think it's pressing the metaphor too much. If Jesus is the true vine, the only way to be reconciled to God our Father, our Creator, who knows us, loves us, and is for us, we could suggest that there are false vines that we run to, that we seek our hope, our trust, our joy, our life from. Sam, Hmm. false vines, am I pressing the metaphor too much? If not, what are some false false vines? I don't think so. Um, We haven't even really discussed fruit yet, but I think it's helpful whenever we dive into any topic. Sometimes I prefer to start with the negative before the positive to talk about what it's not. Hmm. What, what we're not meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Jesus is the true vine, he doesn't just say, I am the vine, the only vine. To me, the fact that he clarifies with the true vine is maybe nuanced, but I think the implication would be that there's false vines. So I think you're both spot on. Uh, I think a good example right now, if I talk personally for me, a false vine that I, I find myself, my flesh continually wanting to latch onto is uh, politics. We are in a season where that is captivating a lot of people's hearts, minds, emotions, conversations, everything. Everything. Um, I, I think just in that the, the simplicity of the metaphor is that if you have a vine, through that the nutrients and the life flows to the branch and the branch bears fruit. And you know that the vine is alive by the fruit that comes out of it. So the fruit that comes out of me when I am primarily focused on politics tends to look like Fear, anxiety, stress, worry, and concern that may culminate in a November election. Uh, it looks a lot like divisive arguments or, or building up internal ammunition for debates. Uh, looks a lot like division within family and friends and coworkers. Uh, the flip side of that is if I am plugged into the vine of Jesus, the true vine, the fruit that comes out of that as opposed to that of politics maybe looks more like um, what happens in November ultimately is significant if, if Jesus is returning in November. Mm. Like my, my joy doesn't culminate in November, it culminates in the, the return of Christ. Uh, fruit that would look like peace and unity and joy 
is not dictated by who wins an election, but rather by who sits on the throne overall, being Jesus. So as a false find, there's a good practical example mm-hmm. of something I've wrestled with yeah. as of late. And so, I mean, that's you can push that into any realm of your life. Any false vine is somewhere you seek security, affirmation, hope, joy um, outside of the true vine. Sometimes it's our reputation. Sometimes it's work. It can be sex. We look for security in our bank accounts. We can run to all sorts of places, ourselves included. Um, and Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm the source of life. Mm-hmm. But so if, if he is the vine, we can see in what Burke read and, and Jesus makes it clear in verse 5 too, that, that we are the branches. Um, verse 2 talks a little, about, a little bit about how the Father interacts with the branches, but I think we need to talk some about um, the branches themselves first in order to clearly perceive how God the Father interacts with us as branches. So verse 4 uh, reads as this. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus here says, I'm the true vine, you are the branches. But you can be one of two types of branches. You can be a, uh, a branch that abides and bears fruit, a fruit-bearing uh, branch. Or you can be a, a vine that, or a branch that does not abide and does not bear fruit. And so... Or bears bad fruit. Or bears bad fruit. Right. Yeah, like we yeah. see in Matthew 7 when he's talking about false and true teachers, right? It's like, yeah. bad trees, bad branches, bad fruit. Yeah, yeah. Good this trees, is not, good branches, good fruit. Yeah, this is not the only place that mm-hmm. Jesus used that metaphor, mm-hmm. and that's, that's helpful. Um, I think it's helpful to define our term, right? Uh-huh. To look at the word abide. And I think in the imagery, you pick up sticks in your yard, branches in your yard, they're dead. There's nothing on them. When a branch is connected to the tree... There's life, there's Mm -hmm. fruit, there's leaves, you see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I guess just practically looking at the word abide, I think we could also think remain. Uh, Y'all can help me on this. Yeah, I'll translate it to NIV. Yeah, Yeah, I think trust. uh, John 14, what Kyle's been in for the past month, I think the imagery he's used is to put your faith in, to put your weight on, to Mm -hmm. lean into. Uh, So when we think that we need to abide, that would be, uh, what we trust, what we put our faith in, what we remain connected to. Where we find peace and rest. Sure. Yeah, so if abide is believing, loving, trusting, depending on Jesus, the true vine, mm. that doesn't just tell us what to do. We'll, we'll really break down some of the practicalities of how to abide next week. But abiding in the true vine tells us a little bit about who we are, Burke. Um, what does abiding reveal to us about our identity as branches? Well, I think it, it shows that we understand where the source of life is and what, what's true, what's lovely, what's noble, uh, what's lasting, what's, um, what allows for the ability to um, breathe life into and draw others closer to God is, is, is that connection to the source that the only source that can allow that. Mm. Um, I've been reading this, this book, Charles Stanley, uh, the, the wonderful spirit filled life that my amazing wife found while we were on vacation. And, um, you just, steal it? uh, it's designed to take and send back. 
So it's kind of cool. There's like a letter at the opening. So no, I didn't steal you haven't it. haven't sent it back yet. So it's a stolen good currently. It's in my possession yeah. as it was designed to be. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mason. But uh, anyway, it, it's, it's this beautiful, uh, he does a great job of breaking down the difference between giftedness, which all humans have giftings, mm. and bearing fruit. Mm. Um, and the, the, the tension that can be, and I thought Kyle did a good job of this in his most recent sermon of, I want to produce fruit, but it's the Holy Spirit that produces fruit, right? We, we, Jesus is going to produce fruit through us. We are called to bear it. Hmm. And actually, sometimes when I'm desiring to make my giftedness known, that's when I am not bearing fruit. That's hmm. when I'm, uh, I might be using my gifts for some sort of worldly good, uh, but as Jesus tells us here, that doesn't last, um, but when I can use my giftedness, or be in a scenario or a setting where my giftedness is being used, but I'm connected to the vine so that I can bear fruit in that setting, uh, then I think I'm in my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I ha- but I have, back to your question, I have to stay, I have to remain, yeah. I have to keep my eyes fixed on the source of life, the source of good fruit, or else it'll end up being, hey, look at my giftedness. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I think summarize that briefly it tells us our identity as branches if we have to abide it means one we're dependent a, a false reality that many a man can live in myself included mm-hmm. on any given day is um i can take care of myself yeah. i'm enough i'm independent i'll do good mm-hmm. i know right from wrong i can do good on my own that is one of the yeah. uh fogs that i think the spiritual world will lay on us is that lie is that I, I don't need anybody we don't want to need anybody which That's is right. why we're in sin That's right. but the reality is our identity as a branch means one we are dependent but two catch mm-hmm. this here he says abide in me and I in you mm-hmm. so as branches who are connected Jesus also promises to abide mm-hmm. in us and we'll parse that out a little bit more next week but that's formational to our identities if I'm a human being that has God living inside of me mm-hmm. that's a big deal and then third our identity, we've got purpose as branches. Mm-hmm. He says, abide, bear fruit. Mm-hmm. We, we are a fruit-bearing people, um, but maybe we should, we, again, the metaphor here, maybe that needs some explanation, some what is clarifying. Is what what is does it, it mean yeah. to bear fruit? What is the fruit that Jesus allows us to bear by abiding in him? Open floor. I feel like I, I bang this drum during all of our Psalm series and First Peter, but Galatians James 5. plugging his teaching there. Go back to yeah. the podcast. James 5.22, man, the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that verse memorized, I would encourage every single man to sit down and memorize that list. Mm-hmm. Because, boy, if you want a plumb line to look at, mm-hmm. see what vine you're connected to. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like, that's the fruit we're looking for. Surely it's not an exhaustive list, um, but that's what that looks like. It's joy, it's patience, it's gentleness, it's a pursuit of unity. And peace. And peace. Right I mean, now we need to hear that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the fruit. And Jesus says, again, back to Matthew 7, like, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Yeah. So mm. here's our list of spiritual fruits. We will be recognized by our ability to display those. Now, Again, if we, if we always get lost in the optics of how do I look all the time and how did that sound all the time, but when we, uh, then we could maybe drive ourselves crazy and end up being super surfacey. But when we're abiding yeah. and, and 
the purpose and the, and the fruits of the Spirit are, are in our heart, then we can sometimes discern questionable optics for bearing fruit in a way that might look very confusing or might cause you to just not even engage because you're like, I'm a little worried how that looks. So let me back off. But when you're abiding, you're like, no, no, no. That's a place where good fruit needs to be bore. And I'm going to hop into there uh, for the purpose of making him known, for the purpose of uh, strengthening either the body of believers or potentially making the gospel known in practical ways to a non-believer. And so just a real practical example is, you know, in your dealings with somebody maybe in your work life that thinks differently than you, has a different worldview than you, Hmm. your ability to have peace with that person, to have gentleness in the way you um, listen, but also convey your worldview, like your ability to do that is the result of abiding. abiding. And that is the the fragrance Mm. which makes the gospel attractive. When you display that fruit, I don't know a whole lot of people that will listen to me like that that don't agree with me. I got plenty of buddies that all think the same thing I do. They listen, but that dude doesn't agree with me, but he listens. Mm. Um, That, to me, is bearing fruit more so than man, I crushed that dude in that argument. Yeah, right. Well, let me, let me build a quick little bridge here because the fruit you guys are talking about, Galatians 5.22, is the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit. We've got a metaphor here that has God the Son, the true vine, has God the Father, the vine dresser, who we're getting here ready we to go. talk about, mm-hmm. who's that Spirit guy, mm-hmm. the third head of the triune God, we believe that God is three in one, is also in this chapter, and we'll talk about him later. Uh, John 15.26, Jesus says this. He says, when the advocate... The Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And so here's, here's the series of events, fellas. Mm. If we abide in Christ, the true vine, and we allow what the Father's going to do in a second to, to partake, uh, Jesus says, I will give you the Spirit who's going to reveal who I am. And so what happens is, as we fix our gaze on Christ, we look like him. As we look to the true vine, we bear his fruit. Mm -hmm. And as the spirit reveals who God is to us through his word, we learn uh, not just about who he is, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's the pragmatic stuff that we can overlook in scripture is the spirit was sent to help us perceive who Christ is, who God the father is. And the reality is that the longer we look at him, we're made like him. Um, So Jesus is clear. We can either be a branch that abides and bears fruit or we can be a branch that does not abide and does not bear fruit and God the Father interacts with each of those branches in in distinct ways that he talks about in verse 2. Let me read it. We're going back to verse 2? Going back to verse 2. We skipped it. Yeah. Now we're going back. He likes jumping around a lot. Stay with us. We went 1, 3, 4, 2. It's a classic. Mason move. Order of, yeah. (laughs) You would think, did Jesus say it the right way? Let Mason change the way he said it. I'm glad you cleaned it up for him. Uh Uh-huh. Um, verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I missed this. Go back to that second half of verse one with me. My father is the vine dresser. Or Your version gardener. might say the gardener. Yeah, right. The literal Greek term there is the farmer. Jesus is the mm. vine. This is the, the person who tends to the vine mm. in this metaphor. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the father takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So two types of branches. One is 
uh, the, the branch that does not abide in Christ. And it says the Father takes them away. And we'll, we'll spend more time unpacking this next week because Jesus reiterates this with some more clarity in, in the following verses. Um, but essentially, if, if we disconnect from the true vine, our only source of life, the Father lets us have the eternal death we've strayed towards. If we abandon eternal life, eternal death is the only option. Mm-hmm. So the Father is the, the means for taking mm-hmm. us away. And we'll talk about some of the difficult doctrines and realities of God and his wrath and justice mm-hmm. next week. But there are also fruit-bearing branches that abide and are pruned. Pruned is another, another term we need to define here because pruned branches become more fruit-bearing. They, may, they bear more fruit. And so I'll give you a concise definition of pruning and then we can kind of toss this around practically. Uh, pruning is this. The Father's uncomfortable, often painful, necessary work in helping you bear more fruit. You know, it's funny. I never hear this verse mentioned in kind of a debunking the health and wealth gospel. Uh-huh. But it, it's directly at it. Like, you know, usually it's like in this world you will face troubles, yeah, take yeah. heart. Like, you know, maybe go to James and, like, you know, consider it pure joy. But, like, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody use this passage. Like, he tells us. The good branches are going to be pruned. Which, yeah, in, in short, is suffering, strife, yeah. tumult, trial. We can't so say that. Right, well, we can't say mm-hmm. first so that, but we can't say that if I live a perfect life, I won't experience suffering because the only person who lived a perfect life experienced the most immeasurable suffering mm-hmm. in history. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus on the cross. Right. And he told us it would happen and to us. And he says, hey, by the way, do you want to grow? And what's beautiful about this is, yeah, there's pruning involved, and it's a fatherly pruning. Um, And that's where James can say, consider it joy, because if this is happening, consider it joy, because that means more good fruit could come from that if you stay connected. And I can't, I I don't want to, I can't overemphasize how much this can unlock our perception of reality. Pruning is, is the reality that if you are a believer in Jesus, everything that happens to you, the Father can use for your good. Mm-hmm. Amen. Good, bad, or otherwise. Hebrews 12 makes it really clear and, and shows kind of the sonship we have as branches who receive pruning. Uh, quoting the Proverbs, the Hebrews writer says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, difficult things he might bring into your life or allow in your life. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So our identity as sons is proved when we experience this pruning of the father. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it, how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us, earthly fathers, for a little while as though they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Sit in that word this week, Mm -hmm. Hebrews 12, Mm -hmm. 5 through 12. A harvest of good fruit is if a result you, if you of, accept the pruning. And you, okay, so I'm a new dad. I don't, 
I, if I disciplined my son at this point, somebody would call CPS. How old is he? Seven weeks. Yeah, start spanking. Well, it's <laughs> quick. It's about that time. <laughs> you guys are fathers of children who um, are in need of pruning, disciplining. How do you see your fatherly love working in the realm of discipline, and how do you see that apply to our spiritual lives as adult men? I'll let the guy with half a dozen kids <laughs> kick this one off. Sure. We're a little shy of that, but... Uh, uh, you know, I, I just, I think, I, I feel like God has used each child to prune me. Mm-hmm. That's a good the, word. The, um, the only way that I can love Sarah well, my wife, and then even attempt to point each of these children to Jesus, you know, accepting my calling that the way I love them, especially in their younger season of life, even though I, I believe this to be true about our entire relationship that God allows us to have, however many years that is, that 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 they would see a glimpse of Him in me, of His love for them in me, which yeah. includes discipline. Yeah. My only way to do that is for Him to prune my love of self out of me, uh, and He's still got a long way to go. But I think with each one of them, He has He has done that to the point where I can um, get over myself and love her and them in a way that he's called me to. Um, and so by, by accepting the pruning that he has put in my life, uh, whether that be career things, whether that be uh, personal failings, uh, whether that be um, wisdom that I've gained through prayer and through fellowship with, with other believers, my ability to accept that is the only way that, number one, I can, I can be fruitful in the home, but then also allow him to use me to help prune them. Yeah. So hmm. it's, a, it's a beautiful process. Yeah. Hmm. How about you, other dad? How have you seen, and maybe you've just got evidence of the Lord pruning you as a father, and you've seen fruit. For sure know. with that, definitely. But I'll, I'll say just kind of the other side of that is, uh, and attempting to prune my own son, uh, I want so badly. My my oldest is right at two and a half, uh, and is into everything. So you're bored, I'm sure. Uh, and I want so badly for him to view women as daughters of God, hmm. to not view them as objects for his pleasure or anything else, other than to treat them gently, respectfully, to honor them. I want it so bad. Uh, and just one, one practical way I'm pursuing that, whether this is right or not, I don't know, but it seems to be working. Uh, in our house, there is a very clear line uh, that you treat mom a certain way and you treat dad in terms of physicality. When he gets rough with mom versus rough with me, with me it's playing, with her it gets serious and dad steps in. He knows, and his phrase, if he, if he hits her, gets rough with her, again, he's not really hurting her, but We'll stop him, and he, he even knows now to say, Mom, we, we don't hit Mom. Why, buddy? And he'll say, Mom, Mom is a delicate flower, <laughs> which is silly, but, like, I am trying mm-hmm. so hard to prune him to see that you have to show her respect. You have to be gentle. You have to be kind and caring. Uh, because it's good for him to see right. yeah, women the way right. God does. Amen. Right. And so because it's for his good, right. you discipline, you prune. I think that is... I know this is true of you all. The, the most fruit I've seen the, the Lord bear in me, truthfully, has come as a result of him pruning me. Mm-hmm. It's looked different ways in different seasons. Sometimes he's taken things that I was holding on to as security 
That's looked like bank accounts at times. That's looked like intellect at times. He just walks through, I say, he walks through the towns of I Mason. I have noticed your intellect is backed up lately. Is that him pruning that? He's, yeah, okay. it's, I can't even. You're just not as smart as you used to be. <laughs> yeah, I used to be. But he, he, is, he has knocked down the pillars on which I thought this is a sturdy foundation in order to reveal himself as the only foundation. And that's where I think the beauty of um, allowing Jesus to work in our suffering, because the reality is without Jesus, we will be crushed by our suffering. We'll be crushed by the disciplining of the Lord. But if Jesus was crushed so that we would not have to be, the Lord promises for those who abide in him, believe in him, trust in him, rest in him wholly, that we will be pruned. We will be made more fruitful. Mm -hmm. And so for whatever circumstance you're in, fellas, think specifically, is it hard? Is it trying? Is it testing you? The Lord is sovereign. He's in control. He is at the very least allowed this, if not given it to you. And what's he want to use it for? You're good. Mm. And I, I know that the, the good right now is, hey man, up there big guy, I can promise this isn't going well. And what he promises to you is trust me and it will. That is the, the pruning that we're called to. Um, so, we as men have the opportunity, according to Jesus and his words here, to be either a, a fruit-bearing branch filled with purpose and life, that our suffering has meaning and, and usefulness can be cultivated by the Lord by abiding, trusting in, resting in, believing in the true vine and, and uh, also trusting in the vine dresser, the farmer, the, um, the gardener who, who tends to that vine lovingly as a father disciplines his son. Or we can be a fruitless branch that veers away from Christ, that's separated our only source of life, and is taken away by the Father. Amidst, amidst all these details, Jesus makes it really clear in this, in this metaphor. There is life in him. There is death without him. And so that's what we pray for you men as you go to discussions. After I pray here, um, there, there'll be discussion questions on uh, the screen of this video. If you're listening via podcast, you can find that in the email. Um, we've got some questions we want you to break down just as Sam and Chris and I did this morning. What is God speaking um, identity, responsibility, hope, life uh, in his word to me? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for making clear to us where the only source of life is and that that is in you. Would you help us see that? Would you remove the fog that shrouds our perception of that? Would you help us believe that you love us, that you saw us in our sin, and that you who knew no sin became a curse, that you took the wrath of God in our place, that you paid the price of sin, that we might be reconciled to a Father who loves us and prunes us to prove it. Would you help us see uh, the circumstances we're in with, with a spiritual clarity by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might um, know, love, and trust you more. As we go to our conversations, would you lead us to vulnerability, honesty, uh, a reality of, of need for you, but also a, a satisfaction knowing that um, those who seek and knock find mm. uh, the living God um, loving and giving himself for us. Jesus, it's in your holy name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, 
reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.